I want to speak this morning on something that I've been thinking about this week, um, and uh, it's just kind of come up a couple of times this week. Um, on Wednesday night, I felt it only right and only proper in honour of Olivia Newton-John to uh, sit down and watch Greece, okay, at home. So probably for the hundredth time, um, I sat at home on, on Wednesday evening with the nostalgia of seeing the T-birds and the pink ladies and uh, all, that, all that Greece is, um, you know encompasses. And you're probably thinking, what on earth is she going to speak about this morning after watching Greece? And then on Friday evening, um, I was speaking at Orbital Youth Festival. And again, this was kind of mulling in my mind as I was thinking um, about what I'd share this morning. And uh, today I want us to think about what does it mean to be a rebel? Okay. What does it mean to be a rebel? Okay. Um, Some of you will have been to Good Rebel, the the, uh, new restaurants. Um, I think it's fab. I haven't been myself, but people are saying it's amazing. Maybe we should have met there this morning and had breakfast together and spoken about what it means to be a good rebel. Is it that we have to don a leather jacket on? And should we all be sitting here, men with T-birds and women with pink ladies jackets on this morning? Maybe that would be quite cool. Or have pink hair. Just for a moment, have a chat on your table or the person next to you or, or just around you. What what do you think the definition of a rebel is? Who, or is there someone who defines what a rebel is? Okay, so um, have a chat. What, what makes a good rebel? Okay, has anyone got anything that they'd like to say? What makes a rebel? Challenging convention. That's a good one. Yeah, anything else? People from Star Wars. Okay, <laughs> okay, anything else? Nonconformist. Okay, someone with their own mind. Okay, yeah, yeah. Pushing boundaries, yeah, fab. Okay, all of those things, amazing. Okay, the dictionary definition of a rebel is someone who rises um, in opposition, okay, usually to leadership or to um, government or something, but rises in opposition, someone who rises in opposition. So all the things that we've said. And when I thought about this, I realized that as followers of Jesus, we should be the true rebels of our culture today. Okay, we should be the good rebels, the true rebels of our culture today. You know, sometimes I meet people and they think they're really rebellious people, okay, because they're what they wear and the way they behave and the way they act. And actually, they're not very rebellious at all. What they're doing is just conforming to what culture says they should look like and the way they should behave and the way they should act. And actually, Um, They're living their lives simply being driven by maybe what media says or culture says or people around them say. And actually, it's not very rebellious at all. But today, I want to think about a character who's well known to many of us in the Bible. Um, Someone who you will have heard about if you've grown up in the church. You'll have heard about this man many times um, in Sunday school and uh, through your childhood. If you haven't grown up in church and this is your first time ever today or you've just started coming, then I'm sure you'll have heard about this person at some time in your life. It's a man who lived a very dark and difficult time um, in history. Maybe the darkest time. The time just before the great flood hit the earth and God brought judgment to the people. However, at this very dark time, there lived a man called Noah. Okay, and we know about Noah, don't we? Noah was a man who walked with God. He knew God. He walked with God. And he showed us and he encourages us throughout his life 
that it is possible to live a godly life, to live close to God, following what God wants for us in an ungodly culture. Okay, so he teaches us how to live God's way in a world which was actually very different to the way God would want it to be. Jesus says in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus was saying to us, remember, don't forget, don't forget how it was in Noah's day. Okay, we can kind of think, oh, that was years ago and not relevant to us. He was saying, don't forget, don't forget, remember how it was in Noah's day. And it will be very similar before my return. It will be very similar before my return. So I want us to have a look this morning at Genesis chapter 6. And I'm not going to read the passage, but we're going to start at verse 5, and I'm going to look at different verses that you can follow along as we go through. So the book of Genesis gives us a great description of how the world was at this time. Okay, So we can begin to understand what it was like in Noah's world. It says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Can you imagine that? The thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. Okay, there wasn't a good thought. And I think today that we are all horrified and distressed and, you know, feel so sad when we look at the news in our world at the moment. You know, if you look at your news feed on your phone or you put the news on, you know, we're bombarded by horrific things. It's just one after the other, terrible things that people are choosing to do to one another. A few Wednesdays ago, I can't remember who was speaking, um, but we did the Wednesday gathering And um, they said, in your groups, chat about a good news story that you've heard lately. Okay, and we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there, and we came up with, I can't remember quite what it was, Denny's, what was it? Denny's, what was it? Something about koala bears, saving the koala bears. That was the only good news story that we had heard in the past month or so. Saving the koala bears. Well, glad for the koala bears, but it's a bit sad that that's the only thing that we could come up with. It's disturbing, it's heartbreaking, and it seems as though the evil acts that we're doing towards one another just keep increasing, and they just keep getting worse. And this is what was happening in Noah's day. This is is the same as Noah's day. So in verse 6 in the Bible, it says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was troubled. What a line that is, that God regretted, God regretted that he'd made the human race. 
So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I ever made them. That really saddened me when I read that verse, when it let it sink in. God regretted that he had made the human race. You know, in our French house, we have a foss tank. Now, you might know what a foss tank is. Basically, it collects all the poo, okay? So it's a big tank in the garden that sits in your garden. We don't have main drains. We have foss tanks, okay, that everything goes into, and you've put a little tablet in, and the bacteria eats it all up, okay, basically. That's the, that's the technical side of it. Um, but um, every now and again, it fills up, okay, and it stinks, now, if, you are, if you're a lover of France, like we are, there's one thing I don't love, and it's the smell quite often. Often you go around places, I don't know, this is a bit rude, but it does smell. There's a smell of the foss tanks around the place, okay, that just walks through the village and you go, that's that whiffs, that really stinks, okay? And this is what it was like, okay, in the world. It stunk to high heaven, okay? It absolutely stunk. Dank, okay? It was like that in Noah's day. The wickedness and the evil was full to the brim, okay? Overflowing. The foss tank overflowing, and it stunk. And you know, we can be reminded again from this passage that God is fully aware. He's fully aware of the wickedness of man. He doesn't turn a blind eye, He doesn't sleep. He doesn't pretend not to notice it. He is fully aware. He is paying attention at all times. God is noticing what is going on. God sees it all. Then in Genesis 6, verse 8, we read, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord against this very, very dark spiritual background in this difficult day, in this hard culture Noah found favor. He was a man who walked with God. Noah was that man. And if you walk around town and you look in jewelry shop windows, you'll notice that the very expensive jewelry they put against a dark background, they put it on a dark background so that piece of jewelry shines and it stands out and it catches your eye. It's the same here. It's the same here with Noah. He shone in that dark place. You know, often someone's true faith really shines through when they're going through a difficult time. That's when people around you notice, when you've been through something tough, when you've been through something dark, when it's been really hard, and yet you still, your faith still shines through. Your faith is still in Jesus. They're against the background of a dark, impure world you shine. Noah was this man. He was a rare gem. He was a gem that shone in a very dark spiritual backdrop of his day. The Bible tells us that Noah found favor. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And now this morning, I asked the question, did God have grace on Noah because he had led a righteous life, because he, he was perfect, he never did any wrong, he never made a mistake? Is that why God found favour on Noah? Because he was so good and it was all of his good works. No. You know, it's actually the opposite. If we go back to the King James Version, it doesn't say that Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. It says Noah found grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
The word grace means the blessing of God. Noah found the blessing of God, even though he didn't deserve it. That's what grace means. We find the blessing of God, even though we don't deserve it. God showed grace towards Noah, and Noah simply responded to that grace. That's what he did. His his actions were a response to God's love and grace that had poured into his life. It's exactly the same for each one of us too. Each one of us who put our faith in Jesus. Ephesians says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God extended his grace towards Noah. And this is something that I think we need, really need to allow to sink deep into our hearts today. God didn't love Noah because he lived a godly life. Noah lived a godly life because he knew how much God loved him. That's what Noah did. He wanted to follow God. And there's a huge, huge difference. There's a huge difference. And you know, some of us this morning, I think, need to know again how much God loves us. You know, we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles that the Holy Spirit can do through us. But I think sometimes we miss that the Holy Spirit is love. He is love. And sometimes we need to know that 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 overwhelming love of God again, that awesome love of God again in our lives, that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled with love. Who doesn't want more love in their life? We're just filled with love and that love overflows out of us to the people around us. And if we have that deep understanding of the Father's love for us, then we'll want to please God. We'll want to please God. Our actions will want to please God because we know how much he loves us. So naturally, we will want to please him. Noah's deep understanding of God's love turned him into a world changer, a culture changer of the people around him. Someone who doesn't accept the norm, who isn't going to settle for the norm. A world changer doesn't walk in step with the current culture. They challenge culture. They speak against culture. You know, on on Friday evening, um, I spoke to the young people, and I I, I offended some of the young girls. But I spoke about the culture that we have today of I've never known anything like it in my lifetime this year, of like if you go down to the beach and you see what girls are wearing, it's hardly anything. It's hardly anything. This Love Island culture, our culture that is saying to us, this is how we should look, this is what we should wear, this is how we should be. We can challenge culture. We can challenge that. We should be speaking against it, saying, no, our bodies are sacred. There's things we respect. I'm not saying you have to go back to Victorian times. You can wear a two-piece. I'm not saying you have to be like head to toe, but let's think about it. Let's think about the respect of ourselves, knowing our identity, loving ourselves, you know? And that's what the voice challenges culture is. Someone who doesn't accept the norm. You know, rather than just accepting what's around us, we want to challenge it. We want to change it. World changes are followers of Jesus. They follow Jesus and affect their surroundings rather than allowing the surroundings to affect and change them. They make the change. They think for themselves. They think about what's right, what's true, what's noble, what's good. 
They think about those things and speak into situations. They want to make a difference. Noah was a man of great faith, of great faith, but he was totally, totally misunderstood. And I don't know if you've ever watched Evan Almighty. Okay, have you ever watched the movie Evan Almighty? You know it's great, a great film. But he is portrayed as a man who's out of his mind. Okay, out of his mind. So we're going to watch a clip now. I'm going to ask Cadenza if you could just play this clip for a moment, and we'll see、um, a little bit about Noah. Okay, so if you didn't quite catch that, they said he's the weirdo with the beardo. Okay, that's how he was seen. You know, like this was he was misunderstood. Noah was misunderstood, and that's why the character of Noah is, can be so distorted. And that's why it's good for us to go back to what the Bible says about Noah. What's the truth about Noah? Well, in Hebrews 11, it says, "By faith Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear." Built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. In that one verse, faith is mentioned three times. Okay, three times. Noah was a man of great faith. Okay, that's one characteristic of Noah, which really changed him and made him stand out from his culture. And God revealed secrets to Noah, which activated his faith, which set his faith on fire. How do you hear a secret usually? You know, usually a secret is told and it's whispered to you. People whisper secrets, don't they? Because they don't want anyone else to hear, so they whisper. A secret, and I think it's in that quiet place, in that quiet place that you spend time with God, that God just whispers, and you hear His voice. I read a brilliant book once about、um, called The Secret Keeper, about God keeps our secrets and He gives us secrets too. You know, He whispers to us. We hear His quiet voice. Whispered to us, and I know that Noah was a man who would have set time aside. And would have been in that quiet place to hear God's voice, to hear God whisper to him. And maybe you're sat here this morning, and you're thinking, you've been thinking maybe on from Andy's message last week as well, thinking, you know what? My main problem is that I don't think ever God ever speaks to me. I don't think God speaks to me. Well, I heard this little story of this little boy who said to his mum, "God never speaks to me," and she said, "You know, when you do something wrong and you have a really..." Bad feeling in your heart for doing it when you've done something wrong, and he says, "Yeah, I often feel that." Well, that's God speaking to you. That's God speaking to you and challenging you. And he paused for a moment, and he said to his mum, "Mum, God speaks to me all the time." <laughs> he realizes that God speaks to us all the time. God is wanting to speak to us all the time. There's lots of ways that He speaks to us, and the main way He speaks to us is obviously through His Word. Through the Bible, we learn through the truth of God's word. When we learn to really read God's word, God revealed His secrets to Noah. And the Bible says in Psalm 25, the Lord confides in those who fear Him. He makes His covenant known to them. Do you know something really super cool this morning that I think is really amazing? As followers of Jesus, God reveals things to us that others don't understand. 
God reveals things and shows things to us that others may not understand. For example, very simply, we have an awareness through God's word that we are born with a sinful nature. Ultimately, we're pretty bad, okay, as human beings. And that helps us to make sense of all the bad stuff that's going on in the world. That gives us a godly perspective. It helps us to understand that we're actually a pretty sinful bunch and actually what goes on in the world, we can expect it because we know that's not God's plan for the world. But we also know that the Bible teaches us that God is good, that we serve a good God, a loving God. The Bible teaches us that one day judgment will come to the world and that it will get worse before it gets better. So we're we're expecting it. We're not surprised by it. We're waiting for it. The Bible teaches us that one day Jesus will return again and make all things right. We'll right all the wrongs. So in the same way that Noah understood, he understood what God was saying. When we, you believe the Bible, we understand things that other people don't understand. We have that inside knowledge, if you like, and just God reveals secrets to Noah. He will receive, reveal secrets to us too. He'll reveal things to us too, to each of you uniquely in your situation. Another thing that made Noah a real world changer and a culture changer is that he had a deep reverence for God, a deep reverence for God. And you know that today, I think this is something that is so lacking, so lacking in our culture today, that reverence, that respect for God. In Hebrews 11, verse 7, we just read it a little bit earlier. It says that Noah had a holy fear. He had a holy fear. And that doesn't mean that he was fearful or that he was afraid of God. He wasn't scared of God. He wasn't afraid of God. There's a lovely quote on Instagram yesterday, and I know lots of you read it because I've seen it re-quoted lots and lots of times, but it said this. Religion says, I messed up, my dad's going to kill me. Sonship says, I messed up, I need to call my dad. Okay, that's the difference. That's the difference. He, Noah wasn't afraid of God. He knew who his father was. And he knew God loved him. Noah knew the loving father who he served. And it was this deep love for him that made him fear him, made him want to please him, made him want to satisfy him. And it doesn't mean that we cower and we're afraid, but we love him so much that we respect God. And I think so often we've respect, lost that respect for God, the respect for the awesome God, the king, the creator that we serve. We've made God so small when he's so huge, awesome, beyond our understanding. And we need to remember that respect again. Noah was a good rebel of his day. He was a good rebel of his day, someone who rose in faith in opposition to the culture around him. He challenged the culture around him. He wasn't afraid of what people were saying about him. He only did what God told him to do. And it excites me to think that this morning in here, we are a room full of good rebels. We have the opportunity to change the culture around us, okay? A culture changer is someone who believes the Bible, lives by it, and does what it says, okay? Not just reads it, but does what it says. You know, if you want to be a rebel, then we need to follow Jesus. 
Just follow Jesus, okay? That's how we do, need to do this morning. This is rebellion in the best sense of its word. We don't need to put on a leather jacket with T-bird on the back or dye our hair pink, sorry, Mel. We don't need to. We can just follow Jesus. You know, Noah will always be remembered for building the ark. You know, that's what we used to sing. You know, God said to Noah, it's going to be a floody, floody. Do you know that one? And we made it all nice, yeah? We've made it all nice and all beautiful. And he went and built the ark. Do you remember that song? Who's nodding? Yeah, some of you are nodding. Do you remember it? Yeah. Um, okay, and we, we sing it all beautifully. But there was so much more to his life than just building an ark. Not just building an ark, but he built an ark. And uh, there's so much more to his life. He's mentioned in Hebrews 11, alongside all the other greats of our faith that we know in the Bible. He's mentioned there because his faith, the faith that he had in his God, who he loved and he knew loved him, made him stand out from the culture around him. He made a difference. These heroes, Noah included, aren't mentioned because they were perfect, which should encourage us. They aren't mentioned because they were perfect. In fact, they were far from it. They're mentioned because they exercised the faith that they had in God. They put it into practice. They did something with it. They didn't just hear it, but they did something with it. And it's a word that keeps popping up time and time again. Their faith. It's their faith, knowing their God and trusting their God. And this is a brilliant reminder to us that we don't have to be perfect for God to use us for his purposes. He's looking for someone, young or old or whatever, to simply say, I'm here, God, use me. Just use me, God. I'm here and I want to be used. I want to make a difference in my world, in my family, in my culture. I want to make a difference. How do we do that? As I reminded the young people on Friday night, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. We need God's Holy Spirit in our lives. God is calling you to change your culture. Now, I'm sure he's not asking you to build an ark. I don't think, okay? It hasn't rained for lots of days now. <laughs> Maybe he is. Um, so I don't think he's going to ask you to, to build an ark. But equally, he's not asking me to change Jess's culture, or he's not asking me to change Isabel's culture. Everyone is unique, we all have a different world around us that God is calling us to change, okay? Every single one of us will look different in the place that we've been placed, okay? There would be absolutely no use in me getting on a surfboard trying to speak to the surfers down at Barzan, but Andy Wade and Harry would do a great job, okay? Everyone will look so different. It's about daily asking the question, how can I reflect the character of Jesus in the situation that God has placed me today? In our language, how can we encourage people when people are feeling like they're rubbish at work or at school? How can we encourage people you know, how can we build people up? Arguments on social media, things going on, you know, chats going on, on our, you know, that we read. How can we, do we turn a blind eye or do we actually put in truth there and say, that's not right, actually. You know, this isn't right and I'm going to speak truth in this situation. As disciples of Jesus, this is what we're commissioned to do every single day, daily, through time spent with Jesus in that quiet place, allowing God to reveal to us the secrets of his heart, the secrets in his word, being filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're able to be his representative in each of our individual situations every single day. Um, we all have our places, whether that's home, 
It might be in your lounge, in your front room. That might be the place where God has placed you. In your work, in your classroom, in your friendship group, in your sports club. These are your front line. This is the place where God has placed you to be. And as I reminded us just a few uh, months ago, this is where our discipleship is worked out. This is where we grow. This is where our journey with God and our journey with Jesus. This is what shapes us into the character of Jesus. We bring peace and hope and reconciliation into mess, into chaos. We can speak those things, being the character of Jesus. So maybe it's your classroom, your playground, your work setting, your sports team, but your command is to go and be Jesus in each one of those situations. And can I just say as a little word of warning, we live in an island that is beautiful. We live in the most beautiful island. The last few evenings we've been on the beach and the tide's been high and had a few barbecues and it's gorgeous and it's safe. You know, we can let the children run and they're safe and it's a nice place for children to grow up and it's a safe place for us all. But you know what? The warning that I'd like to give this morning is that that's beautiful and we love it and we're grateful for it. But as a culture, we can become so safe that we're scared of taking risk and missing the adventure, okay? So it's so safe, you know, like we, it's brilliant. I'm not saying to be reckless, but we all have like mortgage plans and savings for the future and we all have safety things and and, and that's great. Don't, I'm not saying to be reckless, but we can miss the adventure that God has for us in a culture where we're so safe and secure and so protected you know, we were going down the river in France on a little pedalo boat and uh, Martin and Joe were steering and then me and Freya took over the steering. And as we were steering, we'd been told by the instructor, head down the river, when you get to the buoy, turn round, come back, okay? And that's the, journey, that's the route you should take. Now me, it might surprise you, but I'm quite a guidelines person, a rules person. Um, and uh, so I was traveling down the river and uh, me and Freya are steering. And then there's this little like cove in the side and it looked beautiful. Okay. Like all cut out in the bushes. And Joe and Martin are like, go down there, mum. And I can't go down there. It's off the route. We've been told not to go down there. Okay. And they're like, oh, you're so risk adverse. You are. Um, just, just go down, have a look. And I'm like, I can't go down there. I've been told to go to the boy. So I'm going to the boy. Okay. So um, we go down, we go to the boy and we come back and we go back and we never know what's in that little cove. And to this day, I'm wondering, Maybe there was something really exciting in that little little bit. It looked beautiful. Maybe I should. And now I feel like I missed out. Maybe we would have gone down the river and ended up with a salmon story of heading over a waterfall. But I don't know. But I feel like I missed out. I missed an adventure, you know, just by, by like just being very risk adverse, really. And I'm not saying we should be reckless. I'm not saying we should be reckless, but you know what? If we're going to be good rebels for Jesus, it means that we need to be open to adventure. That actually our day, we might have our diary planned nine till five, but God's saying, I want you to go here. You know, and actually I'm walking from North Beach and I'm going to, I don't know, Market Square. But God says, I want you to go up Smith Street. You know, listen to the still voice. Why is he asking me to go up Smith Street? Why? Have your eyes open. What is God saying? What is Jesus asking of me? Let's not miss the adventure. That is why I love the energy of youth. 
I love hanging out with the young people. I know I'm old, but I love hanging out with the young people because they're willing to take a risk. They're willing to take an adventure. They're willing to have adventure. And I think that's what God is calling us, to be risk takers if we follow Jesus wherever he wants to take us. God isn't looking for our ability. He's simply looking for our availability, for us to say, God, here I am. Here I am, use me. And you know, if we get willing to say that, if we're willing to say, God, I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm not sure what to expect but I trust you because you love me and I can trust you because you've only got good things for me. So you're not going to lead me into anything bad, God. I trust you. If we do that, then I really believe that God is going to do incredible things through each one of us.